0: Hello everybody out there in internet radio land. This is Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show. The Church of the Soul's Evolution. Here comes one of our dogs. Let's see if she wants to go inside. Do you want to go inside? Yes, she does. Hold on just a second, please. Actually, two dogs just went inside. Well, how have you been? It's been a week since the last show. And today has been a good day. Yesterday was too. I woke up, I went to the track on Lackland Air Force Base, it's a dirt track, and walked a mile around it, one mile, one mile track, walked a mile, and then ran a mile, and then when I was running, I sang Cadence, Army Cadence, because I'm an Army guy, I retired after 22 years in the Army, I still worked for the Army, so altogether, 40 years working for the Army, Anyway, in my show, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, I talk about spirituality, and it's my opinion that we're here to develop ourselves spiritually, because we are spirits in the material world, are spirits in the material world. I was just telling Doug, before he hooked me in, that I was singing some songs. I like to sang my songs, which I've learned over the years, dating back to 2013 when I first went to the Wounded Warriors on Fort Sam and sang for them over there. And I went every month for six years from about 11.30 to 1 o'clock, an hour and a half, usually when they had lunch. And so I learned all these new songs related to God, love, nature, things that could help them, you know, the Wounded Warriors. That was back in the day when we were engaged in Afghanistan and Iraq, even, you know, in one way, how can we really judge the Russians in their war in Ukraine when we did the same kind of the same to the Afghans and the Iraqis, right? I mean, we can't just forget about that completely, right? You know what I'm saying? Who are we to judge them when we did the same ourselves? Just think about all those drone strikes in the all the Afghan people that took out with drone strikes. There's a good movie out there that talks about it. If you Google it, you can find out. There's a lot of people that we took out with drone strikes, Afghans, that we said were bad guys, you know what I'm saying, bad guys. Nevertheless, don't get me wrong. I don't believe in war. I wish there was peace, you know. Why are we killing each other? I don't understand. You know, is there any good reason to kill somebody? Well, maybe because they killed a whole bunch of people. If we know, without a doubt, they were responsible for that, maybe. But they deserve a free trial, a fair trial, you know. Guilty, excuse me, innocent and true proving guilty, right? Which reminds me that I had jury duty last Monday. And hopefully this will be my last time. This was the fourth time I had it since moving here to San Antonio. And the first time I went down there, that was before COVID. It was a whole room full of people, and they sent me home that first day. The second time, I went back, and they kept me till about 11 o'clock and then said I could go home. The third time, I stayed and I was on a, a jury trial for a guy who had got a speeding ticket. The police said, clocked him on radar going over the speed limit. So I wound up siding on the side of, um, yeah, I I wasn't really on the jury. They were trying to place where they choose the jury members. And so I was one of the guys that sided on the side of the police officer. Anyway, they didn't choose like get out of there at about maybe three, four o'clock in the afternoon. This time, I got there, well, I tuned in first on Zoom for four hours. And I think I might have mentioned this in my last show. There was 270 people in our room and about 450 altogether. So it us out in the two rooms. And then they chose a group of 75, another group of 75, and a group of 70. Then a group of 30 and I still wasn't posing. There was like 24 left. I was among those 24. So I was thinking, All right, you know, don't have to go downtown, do the jury, do these things. Well, they said they read us out, you know, just in case. So we were all, you know, just one minute and that's it. We're done. Well, don't you know? All of a sudden, I get this, that pops up on my computer saying, you're invited to join the jury room. went in there, and there were 70 other people in that room for the 180. And on their Monday clock, they're around, waited around, went inside and saw the judge, and he explained the whole process said, of you, 70 people, 12 are going to get chosen to be on the jury. Well, this guy, he was there in the room. He had been mustered with a handgun, illegally, a felony, felony possession of a handgun, and possession of a controlled substance, I don't know what it was, with intent to deliver, deliver. And so after the judge's spiel, we broke for lunch and came back. And then, you're right. Oh, by the way, um, before we broke for lunch, bro- broke for lunch, the judge um, had some attorneys of the, 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 not the, the, to begin with, it was the, the attorney for the state of Texas, uh, the prosecuting attorney, that's it. I was trying to remember the name. And then he, his spiel and asked a whole lot of questions and, was asking members of the um, who were there, you know, us, in other words, what we what we thought, what we would do to see who they might want to select, if you understand. So I was asked the question. Actually, I volunteered a couple of times, and, and then the uh, the guy who was the defendant' defendant's attorney. I guess he was not the plaintiff, but the defendant. I get confused about that. But the guy who was defending the, the young man who had been convicted of the only possession of a firearm and the intent to deliver a controlled substance, he also asked questions. And so I got up at one point and I said, because I've been writing this down, and it just seemed wrong to me because the possession of a firearm is like two to ten years in prison if convicted, But possession of a controlled substance with intent to deliver is like 10 to 99 years. And I was like, what? I can't believe that, you know? So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But first, I got up and I said, and coincidentally, there was a man that had gotten up before me and said, well, I don't want to participate in the proceedings because I'm biased. Because one of my nephews died of a drug overdose, and so I don't want anything to do with drugs. I hate drugs. And I had my stuff ready to deliver. I was, you know, written it down, and I was going to say what I wanted to say. And so when I got my chance, I said, you know, I don't understand. What's the difference between killing yourself drinking alcohol or killing yourself taking drugs? I said, a bottle of whiskey or some heroin—it's a difference. And so the, the attorney said, "Well, in other words, then you're—you don't want to take—that's right." I had more to say, but it was getting—they wanted to cut us off for lunchtime, and I think that he could tell I was ready to ramble on a little bit. But let me just talk about that because I've been watching drugs incorporated on television. You know, they have a show. And in case anybody is mistaken, there are a lot of people out there who are taking drugs. And part of the mystique about taking drugs is you are being sought after by the police. It's kind of like a game of hide-and-seek. It's rebellious in a way. And so what I think and I'll expand more upon that later, is that drugs should be legal because we all have free will, right? We're born into this world with free will. What people do behind closed doors is no one else's business. Put yourself down. Peel up vodka, whatever. If you want to shoot up heroin, you can do that. If you're behind closed doors, what you do behind closed doors. So I know the argument, well, what about bringing your children up? Well, let me tell you something. I was brought up by parents who were alcoholics. They didn't take drugs, although my mom tried marijuana. Parents, as to how they raise their children. Now, if children are punished and threatened not to do certain things, you know, the rebellious nature and each and every one of us comes out, and we want to do our own thing. Everyone wants to do it their way, right, in this world, whether or not they're your children. But guess what? Surprise, surprise. They're not really your children, even though they were born from you. They're their own individual souls and spirits. And also, guess what? Before coming into this world and the pre-existence, before we were born into this planet, and they chose you to come to you. You can't own anybody. You can say they're your children, but in reality, they are their own individual. And Everybody, everybody on this planet is entitled to exercising their own free will. And when you impose your will on on people and you tell them that they can't do things, then they're going to do it, you know? But if we legalize drugs, I'm guessing, I'd be willing to bet the overall use of drugs decrease because that mystique disappeared. Also, with the money that we can make by taxing drugs, we can get rid of our national debt. And don't you know, we have a lot of money that we owe, a lot of money. And also, the people that they put in prison for minor drug offenses that our tax dollars pay for, We wouldn't have to pay for those taxes if they didn't imprison my people. So it behooves us as parents, and I'm a parent, I have my son. He never got into drugs because I was a good role model. You have to be a good role model, and you can't punish people, hit them for doing things, threaten them for doing things, because they will do them, especially if you're a hypocrite and you're taking alcohol, alcohol is a drug, if you're drowning your sorrows daily with alcohol and they see that, then why shouldn't they try drugs? Are you hearing me? Does that make sense? In other words, legalized drugs, you wouldn't have some of the problems that are happening today. That is my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Take it or leave it. You're entitled to your own opinion. That's the opinion of Blake Ruby. But I tell you, alcohol... Did you know that more people die each year from excessive drinking of alcohol than people who overdose on drugs? About 25% more. It's true. Alcohol, whether it's alcohol or drugs, you know, people have a demon that's after them. It kind of possesses them. Demon alcohol, demon drugs. Don't get me wrong, I don't take drugs. I don't believe that anyone should do that because it wreaks havoc on your body. It's not a healthy way to go. Nevertheless, I can't judge you because you have free will. But take it from me, I don't think drugs are a good thing or drinking alcohol. Because once you're taking a sip of alcohol, it's got you. And you're hooked on it. I was there. I gave it up in 1988 because it had control of me. My parents were alcoholics. My mom, up until the day she died, dad about five years before he died, they were both 81. passed away. But dad had been an alcoholic all just about all his life, especially after the war, World War II. He was at Normandy and Dunkirk with the British Army, and he saw a lot of stuff happen. Killed a man, watched some of his soldiers die in his arms. He was an officer, of um, a leader of an armored car brigade. One of the youngest captains in the war in the British Army. And he had PTSD very badly. That's why he turned to alcohol and cigarettes and he would just pass out. He would pee in his bed, you know. Doesn't get any worse than that, my friends, you know. He'd wake up in the middle of the night swinging his arms, fighting some demon, you know, demons that were out to get him. The last five years he gave up drinking and even though he continued to smoke he still... It was the look about it like finally he kicked it. and off mm-hmm. up his shoulders, you know. And I my parents were both good people, but bitter, because they'd been through World War II. My mom went through the bombing of London, and, you know, it would make anybody bitter when you know that someone's trying to kill you. Bomb- the bombing of London was when the Germans sent those rockets, the V-2 rockets over there. Also, the Germans bombed them with their long-range bombers. But we did the same to them, but it changes you. You go to war, you're going to come back a different person, I guarantee you. And more than likely, you'll know, have PTSD. You'll see people get killed in front of you. You'll kill people. You'll see people get badly injured, maybe lose arms or legs. It does something to the mind, you know going back to alcohol it's not good you know there's other ways to get high on life you can get just go outside in the sunshine you know go for a run or a walk breathe in the fresh air you don't need some artificial but there again I go I can't judge you because I've done it myself and I, you have free will and do whatever you want. But I'll just warn you that when you get to that place one day, that judgment day, play far into the future, and you come face to face with the creator of your soul and your spirit, your mother and father God, you're going to be embarrassed. So you're going to feel a lot of remorse and regret for having done some things that you done that you knew better about and all oh, the lamentation the the feeling you know of I should have known better but that's all I'm going to say about that and what else so that was quite an experience really going down to the to the courthouse downtown San Antonio, and I won't be doing it again. You know why? Because I'll be 68 years old in August, and once you get to 70, and, you know, they send these assignments out every three years, then you don't have to do it anymore. So but next time I get a summons, I'll be 70 if I'm still alive, God willing. And, you know, we need to pray. war over there in Ukraine, innocent people getting killed for no good reason. And we've had so many wars in our past. We need to pray, all pray. I'm doing my part. I hope you are too. God and Mother and Father God and all the angels, they hear your prayers. Believe me. I've seen prayers change things in my life over and over and over again. I guarantee it. They work. And the extraterrestrials that are out there, and they might be listening to my show, I hope, you know, one of those people that talk about them. There's a man that you can See his videos on YouTube called Stephen Greer. He is one of the most brilliant minds in the world when it comes to extraterrestrials and their technology, and how the government is covering up some things like Roswell. Come on, I mean, we always knew that Roswell was covered up even from the beginning in 1947, but especially since they've released some documents, you know. About alien beings in the crash site. I don't know how much more proof the people want than these official government documents saying that you know memorandums written up on an old typewriter from 1947-48, officially signed by the real people back then, generals who went whomever they were. You know, what more proof do you need, my friend? There's a thousand pieces of evidence like that, which tells us very clearly that there is life out there. The universe is teeming with life because it didn't happen by accident. And you could say if it happened by accident, it happened by accident anywhere in the universe, right? All this life here on planet Earth, the beautiful trees that I'm looking at in front of my yard behind my yard, actually. All the vegetation, plant matter, the animal life, it all happened by accident here. It can happen by accident anywhere. But if there's a creator, which there is, because in the beginning, the creator existed, the creator of the universe, the supreme, original creator, both male and female. And the plan was to get to know his herself better. Through a process of growth and expansion, the Creator created the physical universe and commanded the four forces. First force was the force that created all the planets, the moons and the suns. It's just think how incredible a sun is, how it begins to form and then A nuclear fire ignites in its core, and the next thing you have, a star is born that will last for billions of years, and can provide heat and light for a planet like our own, that's in this safe zone, a green zone revolving around the sun, and that energy from the sun not only provides heat and light, but also revolves it around itself and rotates that planet on its axis. Isn't that amazing? Also, the second force of the universe is what created the plant and the animal life on planets. The third force of the universe is what created the sentient life, human beings like us on this planet. And... In the go- Milky Way galaxy, the intergalactic federation of... ...up there that joined together, created a federation. Twenty thousand sentient beings in the Milky Way galaxy have joined that federation of sovereign planets. And you could only imagine what they look like. We all have imaginations. And apparently, from what I've heard, Star Wars has some really good examples, even though I don't agree with the the movie Star Wars, because space is supposed to be a peaceful place, my friend. Unless you want to take your war out there and start killing not only human beings here on planet, but out there in the universe. No, they don't want you to do that. They won't let you. They won't let you, I guarantee They won't let us out there and kill anything with our weaponry here that we've developed. Space is supposed to be a peaceful frontier, and they're going to keep it that way. They know how. The ETs, they've been monitoring us. I guarantee it. I promise you. They've been watching us for thousands of years. And it's a process that they know how to do very well. They come upon solar systems all the time that have not been discovered. Imagine that. Some of these civilizations have been in existence for millions of years, and the universe is such a solar systems that are uncharted. That just gives you an idea how large the universe is, and that the boundaries of infinite space are continuing to expand as I speak. So in Star Wars, again, I don't like Star Wars, the word. I'm not a fan of the movie, but you can if you want to be. But I hope you're not the kind that likes to take war into outer space. Would you be one of those people? Do you like war here on Earth? Do you want to die? Are you the, If you want to die, go ahead, but don't drag anybody along with you. That's not right. Again, that being put upon someone's free will, and you will have to pay the price. Karmic debt is a you-know-what in the future, in your next life. You'll have to pay that back, my friend. I guarantee it. But in Star Wars, there are some beings that they dress up, put makeup on, apparently that are very similar to what is actually out there. Plus, you know, humanoid is essentially the essence of all the beings that exist in the Intergalactic Federation of Sovereign Planets. So you're gonna have human beings that are taller than us, maybe nine feet tall, and some that are smaller, like maybe three, four feet tall. You have some that are wider, some that are a lot thinner, different variations of humanoid, different color skins, Some skin that is coarser, maybe like bark or scales. You have reptilians also. You have some that are kind of like light beings, you know, that are interdimensional, apparently. Like spirits, in a way. Created with the conditions of their atmosphere on their planet. Therefore, they are indigenous to their planet and are created that way because of the atmosphere. They could have a horn on their forehead with an eye on the end of the horn, but they're created that way because that's the way they are created in order to deal with their atmospheric conditions. The heat, the pressure, the, um, the wind, everything is taken into consideration apparently, by the Creator when creating a new type of sentient being. The fourth force of the universe is like the fourth dimension, the spiritual dimension, a parallel universe to the physical universe, where you can move by thought. Thought is the key. And a lot of extraterrestrial spacecraft are actually powered by thought, and they're working on technology now, where you can think something, and it happens. For example, you could be in a spacecraft. You wanted to think left, you go left. You wanted to think right, you go right. You wanted to drop down lower, you know, descend, and you think it. You wanted to go up higher, are you thinking? I want to go up high. Are you thinking this? That spacecraft that crashed in Roswell, apparently, from what I've learned from my research, belonged to a, a race of extraterrestrials from the large Magellanic Cloud galaxy. And their controls on their spaceship, and they were very small beings, about maybe three, four feet tall, three and a half feet tall, with big heads, dark eyes, spindly arms, kind of like children, but extremely intelligent. And they put their hands on their dashboards, if you will. And same thing, they wanted to turn left, they thought left, you know. When turning right, you think right. Uh, apparently, what happened was they um, ran into some thunderstorms there in the Roswell area, you know, in New Mexico. They were coming down in the direction of some superior sentient beings who were kind of in charge of the observation of beings on planet Earth, and they were asked to swing by and pick up some air, soil, and water samples near the site where they were detonating atomic bombs right around that time, 1945, just to see the effects of the radiation on air, soil, and water. And Anyway, so there was a thunderstorm that night, that particular night, in July, I forget what day in July, 1947. And So apparently the pilot didn't have too much experience on a planet with an atmosphere as heavy as planet Earth. And also lightning, I believe, played a factor and may obstruct the the spacecraft. He lost control and crashed. And there was about three or four on board, I think. All but one died. They were thrown outside, outside the wreckage. And so when the Army came by, they picked them up and they took them to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and they kept one alive for a few days, and then he eventually died, and then they, they got him somewhere pickled, if you will, uh, in preservation. And it's true. It happened. That document that I was talking, talking about, telling you about it earlier, it speaks it. It did happen. It talks about it. It did happen. And if you're interested, if you're interested, if you want to do the research without closing the mind, you've got to keep an open mind about these things, you know? Mm-hmm. You can read about it on the internet. It's there, it's all there. And it says some people, some people are gonna take a drink of water. They don't believe, but then again, they won't do the research. They don't want to believe. They're content with where they are in their lives. They don't want any interaction with extraterrestrials. They just want to work their jobs, help the children grow, Make money, enjoy the freedoms and pleasures of life, and not me. I would like to see what would happen if we made contact with extraterrestrials. I guarantee you everything would take a 180-degree change because all of a sudden, then, we would know that they exist, that the universe is teeming with life that there is life out there and they are not violent they could have destroyed us hundreds of years ago if they wanted to they could have wiped out all human beings on earth because their technology is such that they could destroy all life here on earth in about five seconds i promise you they could if they wanted to they know antimatter. They they know all about antimatter. And if you don't know about antimatter, my friends, it's a bad mamba jamba substance. I mean, just like one symbolful to destroy the earth. And they have anti-gravity and electromagnetic understanding of those forces. You know, let me rephrase that. They they have complete control of gravity with their anti-gravity mechanisms and electromagnetic mechanisms, something that had been perfecting over millions of years, because logically, and you have to think about this intelligently, the Milky Way galaxy was not the first galaxy that was formed. You know, the universe is expanding itself in an outward circular motion. So the first solar system and the first galaxy was created about 15 billion years ago, that's scientific fact. The Milky Way galaxy came along, I would say, approximately 14 billion years later. and One solar system after another, and here we are in our solar system, in a spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy. There's different configurations of galaxies. You know, there's, um, there's uh, like the Sombrero galaxy. Different shapes and sizes. But here we are, in our little solar system, yeah. and there are galaxies that are more newly created than our own, and solar systems too, in that same circular motion expanding out into infinite space. You know what I mean? And so. Our creator is a creator of bodies, of planets. The Creator has the Supreme Creator of the universe. I'm not talking about the mother, mother and father gods of the substance. Because that was part of the Supreme Creator's plan was to have co creators so that they could be like the Supreme Creator, not be the Supreme Creator, but be like the Supreme Creator and have access to those cosmic powers and forces of creation where by an understanding of words and how to use words, they could create planets and spirit children, their souls and spirits. And so it also, as part of that fourth, of course, the, the Supreme Creator put an infinitesimal piece of his or herself into each sentient being, the soul, which is our soul, which is a part of the ocean of God's soul, so to speak. This little drop of water in the ocean of God's soul. Our souls are like that. Hold on. Here's a dog that wants to come out. Oh, come on. All right. All right. Come on. You want to just come out here? You can stay out here if you want. She just wants to be out here, I think. I just... What do you know about growth, my friends? Remember that movie, Platoon... Tom Ber- Beringer plays uh, that staff sergeant, and uh, he's just killed uh, Willem Defoe. Um, I forget his name in the movie. He comes down, and uh, they're, they're thinking they didn't actually see it out, but he, they know that he killed um, Sergeant Elias, I think. And so he knows they're out to get him. He comes down. He's been drinking. I think he's got a bottle of Jack Daniels. And he said, "Well, here I am, my, my own lonesome. And you can go ahead and kill me if you want. Go ahead, try." So Charlie Sheen, who was in that movie, is uh, one of the new cherries that just got to Vietnam. And he attacks him, and of course Tom Berger gets him in a hold with his knife, and is about ready to cut his throat. And one of the other guys says, "No, don't do it. You know." you're going to be climbing the walls for 10 years, you know, to do it. So, he mixes his face with his knife, you know, causes a little bit of blood to show. And then he walks away and turns back and says, what do you know about death? What do you all know about death? You know, like he was a supposed fourth tour in Vietnam. And he spent, you know, seven times. So, y'all, what do you all know about growth? I know you were babies at one time, and now look at you, you know. You're grown up. I am, too. I was a baby at one time. I see people, they have babies, and they're all standing around. Oh, she's beautiful. Oh, he's so beautiful. Just, oh, it's so beautiful. Well, you were a beautiful baby, too, at one time. You just forget, you know. You can't remember. I can't remember either. The farthest back I can remember is when I was two years old. And uh, I remember a few things. How about you? How far back can you remember? But I was saying, born, my friends, we existed in the spirit lands, or you can call it heaven. It, no one's ever told you before. Guess what? There's something very strange going on in our world. There's a fire in the sky. Have you noticed that? There's a fire in the sky. 93 million miles away. If it wasn't for that heavenly body, we'd all be dead. Our earth would be dark, cold, and lifeless. But thanks to the sun, which is actually the spirit world, take it from me, please, It makes sense, because it's the matrix of our solar system, and it's the home of our Mother and Father God, the co-creators of our solar system. They created these planets of the solar system to include ours, and each one has a purpose, believe me, that's just not nice and pretty there for us to look at. They have purposes, and even though you might not understand what function they serve, they do of a function. whether it's Jupiter or Neptune or Mercury or Venus, Mars, they all are beautiful. If you were to go in outer space and fly by there, take a look Voyager did. the Gal- Galileo mission flew to Jupiter and took some incredible pictures and the, the moons you know the moons of Jupiter. Io, Europa, Ganymede. There's actually a civilization of human beings living on Ganymede. Check it out on the internet. I visited Ganymede. is the name of a book that you might want to read if you're interested. And uh, Io, Europa, Ganymede. I forget the name of the other one. Callisto. I think that's it. What I'm saying is that they're very, very beautiful. The colors. You ever used to play marbles when you were young? I think the boys, like me, remember when we were young, we used to play marbles. And we had some that were called beauties. And they were multicolored and looked like cream, beautiful. We used to play in Canada growing up in New Brunswick. I would walk home from school like at lunchtime and play with my friends. We had a little extra time. So we would uh, dig us a hole in the ground with our heel and then step back about maybe 10 feet or so and, and then throw on marbles, try to get them into the hole. And whoever got closest won the other person's marble. So eventually we would play for whatever we had. So if you had some beauties, I'd call them beauties, and then they had larger ones too. I think those were the actual ones called beauties, which were multi-colored and got like a cream color on the inside, looked like. I usually wind up losing all my marbles. <laughs> you heard that expression? Well, I actually lost the the marbles. We could buy them in bags. They were so cool. I loved marbles when I was young. And um, I, or not, I, didn't, I didn't practice a lot. Anyway, some planets that are out there are just totally awesome and beautiful. You know? Hold on just a minute. I'm getting a little bit hungry here. I had some soup. eating a little bit of soup. And this soup here is tofu and noodles. It's like a baked chicken soup. It's made by Amy's. Amy's makes a lot of vegan vegetarian food. You should try some. It's very good. I've mentioned before many times on previous shows that I'm a vegan vegetarian. And I have been since 1999. So what I felt I needed to do, I understand it's not for everybody. You know, I had everything for 44 years of my life. Now I'm almost 68. My wife, she everything. We went to Rudy's barbecues today. So I got some pinto beans and some coleslaw and some potato salad. And the guy says, you know, I told him, when well, I didn't want any meat, I said, I'm a vegetarian, vegan. He said, well, you know, those beans has pork, have pork in them. And I said, that's okay. I'll just pick the pork out. I don't, I don't I'm not that strict or picky, you know, I will pick the pork out, but I don't mind that it's been flavored with pork, you know, and I don't do it a whole lot anyway. I'll say I'm, vegan. and I know coleslaw has, has mayonnaise that had eggs in them and too but no big deal for me i more or less stick to my diet that i've been sticking to now for going on 23 years it's like giving up alcohol and had the alcohol for going on 30 years this year And I've been through the reasons the reasons that I became vegan vegetarian. Maybe I thank because I donated one of my kidneys to my son back in 95, 1995 when I was on active duty in the army. And there's a story that'll be coming out in the Army Times, I got somebody to do an article on me. should have been done before. I was trying to coordinate it. It never happened, but I talked with a very nice reporter with the Army Times, and they're doing an article on me. I had to, be, had to have been one of the first uh, soldiers the Army, uh, one of the first people in the U.S. military you just know it, to donate one of their kidneys to somebody in their family. My son was 10 months old at the time. She's probably one of the youngest in the world. And he just, to God, thank you God, my son He is awesome. And I'm gonna go visit him over at Memorial Day weekend. I was there last year over the Memorial Day weekend and also over the 4th of July weekend. And he works for Warner Brothers. He's been doing fantastic, so grateful to God, and I understand that it might be a rough road ahead, you know, because you might need another kidney down the road. In the meantime, I'm trying to stay healthy, and and uh, I don't do too much running, but I, I ran a mile today, ran a mile yesterday, and I don't run fast. That's okay. And The research I've done on the internet, it shouldn't damage my kidney in any way, and it's been since 1995, so... Five plus 22 27 years almost 28 years March 29th 1995 at Stanford University Stanford University in San Francisco and uh, the doctor that actually did the surgery is the brother of Willem Defoe the actor who I was talking about in the movie platoon he came in the night before and and introduced himself to me him. and I said related to Willem, the actor. He's my brother. He said, wow, cool. So the next day we had the surgery and I took out my right kidney and, and put it in my, my son. And the rest is history. And uh, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. And I'd suggest, recommend that anyone give that gift of life if you have the option to. Yes, it may change your life, but you'll be able to survive if you watch what you eat and what you drink, you know, do the research. And now the surgeries aren't as invasive as they used to be. They could do um, arthroscopic, I think they call that surgery. And a gift of life. My son got another kidney in 2014 on the first of July from his best friend's mom in Ohio near Toledo. And so that one is going strong. Thank God. I pray that it continues to be a blessing to him for many more years to come. In the meantime, they are improving the medical technology, and hopefully, you know, with the aid of stem cells, they will be able to create a kidney, you know, create an organ of any type. And also, surprise, that they've been able to use some pig kidneys, and that's amazing to think that they could put a, a pig kidney inside of a human being to help him or her survived like you did recently. This one person was in need of a kidney, and they survived for like, I mean, he, I think he was in a coma, but it was able to produce urine, you know, for the days until he passed away. About three or four days, I think. How am I doing on time? Sun's coming down. Uh, Fifteen minutes. So I've got about five more minutes. I mean, yes, see ETs are out there, you know. Uh, just imagine if we made contact like we should have already, you know. This particular race of extraterrestrials called the Verdant, B-E-R-D-A-N-T-S. If you're interested, read this book called The Contact Has Begun. They are supposedly the dominant species in the universe. They are the stereotypical kind of alien, about five feet tall, gray skin or a tannish green colored skin, with dark eyes, extremely intelligent, you know, spiritually advanced, the dominant species of the universe that colonized millions of planets. They're part of the Intergalactic Federation of Sovereign Planets. And so read that book. And so they could be out there listening. I hope they do. Because if we make contact, like I was saying, and we need their help, really, like we needed their help before they saw us through when we had some really difficult times back in when Jesus, before Jesus was sent, To earth, you know? Because it was very evil back then, a lot of wrongdoings going on, sexual immorality, murder, rape. So a savior was sent. It's a long story, right? You've heard about it. You know all about it, probably. But just think if we make contact with them, are you afraid? Are you frightened? Ask yourself, tell me the truth. Would you be frightened if you came face-to-face with one of them. Just think about all the animal life here, the different bodies, and they have eyes, some fly, some have several legs. With all the life here on Earth, we shouldn't be really too surprised with something that looks different than us, you know? So they might have different colored eyes, different shaped eyes, different size eyes, just different eyes, period, you know? They would share their technology with us. We could be star travelers, just like in Star Trek. Does that appeal to anybody? Where is that explorer spirit that you have in your body? Don't you have an explorer spirit? Wouldn't you like to discover some new planets out there, see some new stars, suns? How about with their technology, they could cure diseases. So COVID, gone. Cancer, gone. Heart disease gone. You know why? Because they tell us what we're doing wrong. If we'd listen to them, I'm sure we would, because we'd be just blown away by their presence, right? Like that deer in the headlights there. If you saw an extraterrestrial right now in your backyard, you want to meet it, you'd be like, my name is Blake. Nice to meet you. Put out my hand. The etiquette, I don't think it's been formally established for meeting an alien for the first time. But Nevertheless, it would be so mind-expanding, you know what I'm saying? In this world where there's war and killing going on, don't you kind of crave for something different that would take us out of here, that would change the world for the better? I guarantee it. They would help us make that leap to the next level. Otherwise, it's optimistic about our chances with all these wars going on, one after another, after another. After another, you know what I'm saying? Unless you're one of those people I was talking about that likes war and likes to kill people. I think the majority of us are peace-loving, decent, good, family-oriented people, right? And we want peace because we want our children to survive and their children to survive. We want peace. We don't want war, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about, peace. I don't want to get in a fight with somebody I can resolve my differences by talking it over. Does that ring a bell? Talking out problems. We need to talk things over. Compromise. Not be stubborn. Insist on having your way. Mm -hmm. These people that have a lot of money in the world, they do that. They think they know the way. Well, it's like Jesus told Pontius Pilate, you would be nowhere if the power hadn't been given to you from up above. And believe me, My friends, there is someone up above, just like in that song Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Go find a woman and you'll find love. And don't forget, son, there is someone up above. Yes, your mother and God. And Jesus who died on the cross is there in the spirit world. And we'll see them, I guarantee it. I don't want to be a motherless children when I get to heaven, friends. The Bible only talks about Father God. Well, guess what? Don't let it be a rude awakening. Place your bets right now that there is a Mother God, my friends. I guarantee it, there will be one, because you won't be motherless children in heaven. Because Father God, he wants a female friend by his side, and no one has the right to tell him that he can't have a female friend by his side. You know what I'm saying? Father God is a man like me, like other men, who want who desire, who need female companionship. The people that wrote the Bible didn't even think about that. Their goal, their objective was to dominate the people, all in the interest of power and money. You know what I'm saying? You can't believe everything you read. A book is a book is a book. Your relationship with your mother and father, God, and the supreme creator in the universe is open to you to make a connection. You don't need any intermediary. You are a child of God. You are a spirit and a soul. And you can reach out to him, to them as such. I've got one minute. So, you know, I love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for accepting my flaws. (laughs) And for the good things and the bad things, in other words. I wish you the best. And please continue to pray. Pray every day. Ask for repentance. Reconcile yourself daily with your loving, creator, Father God in heaven and the supreme creator of the universe. And may the supreme creator bless us all, everybody, everybody. Bye-bye. Talk to you next week.